Good morning, Generations Church. Welcome back to our online service. We're glad you could join us today. If you're watching today, it's your first time. Maybe you're live streaming with us today for the first time. My name is Jeff Luddington, and I'm the lead pastor here. I have the privilege of teaching most Sundays, and so I'm glad you're here. We are in Exodus chapter 16 today, if you want to turn there. We're in the midst of a series, working our way through Exodus, learning about how God reveals himself, how God teaches us about himself in unique ways during seasons of struggle or hardship. And so we're paralleling that to our lives in this crazy season of coronavirus and racial tension and politics and economy and fires and floods and just all the things that are going on in our world, online school, online church, we're paralleling this so that we might find God in new ways. We might, and it's, it, let me say it differently than find God. We might learn about God. God might reveal himself in new ways to us in this season, in ways that God normally doesn't, or maybe ways we're not looking for in seasons that are easier. So we've been walking through some character traits of God as we work our way through Exodus, and today we're going to talk about God's provision. Provision is God providing for his people and the note is, or the main idea today is learning to depend on God to provide for us rather than depending upon ourselves, our government or our circumstances leads us to greater faith. So God's providence, I mean, excuse me, God's provision, God supplying for us, caring for us, providing for us, allows us to lean into him. And as followers of Jesus, as believers in God, as those who are God's people, our job is to trust God, believe in God for his provision not lean on our own abilities or our governmental abilities or anything else around us, but lean into God. And so let's pray and we will dive into scripture. Jesus, thank you that you have come, you have lived, you've died, you've rose again, that you are God, that you are word of God become flesh, that you are our savior and our Lord. Thank you that you still live and speak to your church today through your spirit. Will you come and will you, will you open our eyes to the character of God? Will you show us how God provides and supplies for our needs? Will you speak to us deep into our hearts where it will affect change in us? May I fade somewhere into the background, Jesus. Will you please speak? We are your church. We are here to hear your voice. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse 1, says, they set out from Elam to all, and all the congregation of Israel, of the people of Israel, came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So here's where we are. If you're joining us maybe for the first time or you've missed some, here's where we are. The people of God, Israel at the time, have been enslaved in Egypt. They've lived there for hundreds of years and then recently at the end of this, in the beginning of Exodus, been enslaved. And as Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, enslaves them and, and persecutes them, they begin to cry out to God who had been good to them and had placed them in Egypt, and they ask God to deliver them out of slavery. God raises up a man named Moses, and he says, go in and tell Pharaoh to release the people, but he's not going to do it right away. I'm going to force him. I'm going to harden his heart. I'm going to work through plagues and through pain to cause him to release the people, and, and as they do that, it's going to be for their good. And last week, we really spent our time on how God works his will, even when we don't understand it. He does so for his glory and our good, how it's for our good. 
And so God does just that. As he delivers them, they leave Egypt. Rather than a poor, broken, slave nation, they leave a wealthy nation. Millions of people, very wealthy. So now we're out in the wilderness, outside Mount Sinai, in the area of Sinai. And they begin to kind of press into this season out in the wilderness now that God's delivered them through the Red Sea, as we saw last week. God's done amazing things. He's leading them by a a covering of cloud, a pillar of cloud in the daytime, and and then a, a pillar of fire by night that he covers over them and remains, his presence remains with them. Verse 2 says, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So the response to God's goodness and care for them God's deliverance from slavery, God not only delivering them, but providing for them, giving them wealth and and animals and and, and riches, gold and silver and all that he has done, and then delivering them through the Red Sea and killing the army that was pursuing them to, to kill them. As he does all this, they get out, and we saw at the end of last week, they get to a, a place where they want water, and the water's bitter, and they grumble, and they complain, God, oh, what happened? Why? And then God makes the water sweet. And then we left off with them camping in an area filled with palm trees and springs of good water. Now we pick up, and, and they get hungry. And what they do is they grumble, and they complain, and they do the same thing again. God, why didn't you just leave us in, Israel, in Egypt, excuse me, where we could sit by our, our pots full of meat and had plenty of bread. Now, remember, when they were in Egypt, they were slaves, and they were crying out to God to be released. And now here they are, so many miracles later, so much of God's goodness revealed to them, and they, they cry out like, God, why? God, have you abandoned us? Last week it was, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us out here to die? Today, they look at Moses and like, why, why couldn't we just stay in Egypt where we had meats, you know, pots full of meat and we had our homes full of bread and why? Why do we have to come out here and starve? It's kind of like today, maybe for us, maybe it's the grumbling that takes place in the church about coronavirus and the restrictions that we have. I mean, just consider for a moment, we're comparing ourselves to people that were enslaved to another nation, right? So clearly we're not in slavery. Clearly there's a different setting, and we're in a better setting. And that this restriction, though hard, and, 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 and admittedly, if you've lost your job to this or something else, if that's the case, clearly it's harder for you. But as we do this, is grumbling the right response? And of course, we would say no, that God provides for us, that we know that God has a provision for us. Verse 4 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my law or not. God says literally, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to provide. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use this that I can test them, that I, I can test their obedience in this. He says, I will test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So God testing the people of Israel that have been grumbling and have seen all kinds of miraculous things and still grumble, how could that possibly go wrong, right? Just imagine if we were to take that kind of setting and apply it to ourselves today. And what if we asked ourselves, what if this season, this political season, which I think is unique in a really bad way, right? This season of racial tension and rioting and protesting and death and just 
all that's going on there? What if we took the economy that's been all over the map? I mean, really big and then really small and kind of waffling back and forth right now. And then what if we took coronavirus and what if we just asked ourselves as the church, not just generations, but as Christians in general, what if we said, is, what if we treated this like a test from God? How might we live differently if we knew this is a test, right? I imagine a student in school, when you prepare for a test, you study for a test, you're trying to do something in a unique way, right? You're trying to do something that will help you pass the test. What if we lived a little bit more wondering, like, God, is this a test? Are you trying to teach me something, show me something, reveal a flaw in me? How, how could we approach this differently? Verse 5, it says, On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So here's the plan. God is going to literally rain bread down from heaven. They're going to go out each day. So Monday they go out and they, they get enough for each person for that day only. And then Tuesday, new day, new rain, new, uh, new bread rain down from heaven, and they go out and they collect enough for each person. And then Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, right, they do this over and over again. They do this six days a week. But on the sixth day, they will go out and they will gather enough, gather enough for two days so that they don't have to work for their food on the Sabbath. And so God says, here's how I will provide for you. Verse 6. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? So here's this verse, and, and we go from really from grumbling to glory, right? And I was thinking, many of you know Pastor Vinny, and I just was thinking of alliteration and words that start with G, and they go from grumbling to gathering to glory, and, and I just, anyhow, somewhere a Southern Baptist is really warm and fuzzy in their own heart, right? But here's what we're seeing. We're, we're seeing the people grumble, but what God says is, listen, I will provide for you, and you will go out in the morning, and there will be bread on the ground, and you will see my glory. So God's glory, what we're talking about, when we move from that grumbling to glory, what happens is we learn about God, right? The, this idea is that we will go outside or they, they will go outside and they will see what God has done for them and they will learn about God's character for them, God's care for them, his provision for them. And they will give him glory, honor, worth, value. They will worship him because of who he is. That the manna, yes, is food, but it's not about the food. The bread that rains down from heaven is not about the food. It's about the provision of God, God caring for them. Let's just look at this from a macro sense, a big picture, all of our lives kind of sense, right? We talk about the gospel every week. We talk about the gospel all the time, right? That, that God loves us, that God created us, that God designed us. There's a way that we work Right? as worshipers of God, as obedient to God, and anything else doesn't work. And, and then all of us have chosen to go the other way. All of us have chosen to sin, but God didn't want to leave us in that condition. So God then became flesh. Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh, and he lived the life that we are called to that glorifies God, that gives honor, worth, value to God. And then he died our death in our place. He paid the, sin, the, the penalty for our sins. He died to cover our penalty. 
That in Jesus, we get new life, right? That in his resurrection, I actually am not just a forgiven, sinful person, but rather, I am a redeemed new person who can live a new life. That you are that new person. In Christ, we are no longer defined by our worst choices, but rather, we are defined by Christ's best decisions, his obedience, not our failure. So God has provided for us in Christ our entire being, our entire salvation, our entire faith has been given to us by God. When we were spiritually dead, as Ephesians says, that God made us alive in Christ. And so God has provided for us, not just in little ways like enough bread to eat today, but God has provided for us in all the big ways, in an eternal way that we might have real life. That's why Jesus says this in John 6, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he, he a person, not bread. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Today's passage is about God's provision, God providing for us, God giving to us what we need. And yes, it, 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 it concerns the day-to-day -day needs. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread, right? There's this, this desire to be dependent upon God and that God will provide. But also God has provided for all our spiritual needs, that all the big things have been tackled in Christ. And now in this life, we get to learn and live in that provision that God gives daily, that daily going out and gathering up our daily bread, that knowledge that even when it comes down to the sixth day and we go to gather two days worth, that God provides, right? That God will have enough for us on that day when we don't gather. So it's in our lives, in coronavirus, in racial tension, in politics, in economy, and all that we go through, whether it be addiction or relationships or all the things that we deal with, those inner depressions and, and hardships that we all go through, all those things, God provides. That God provides for us through Christ, not just eternally, but daily. Our daily bread comes from Jesus, or better said, by Jesus himself. He is our daily bread. This passage is about God providing bread and then eventually providing water, right? And so, and meat in the middle of that. And, and Jesus says, I am bread from heaven, and whoever believes in me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Like Jesus is taking this passage, Exodus 16 and 17, saying, listen, always about me, always. It was always about me. It was never about just bread. It was about me coming to provide spiritually, not just bread to provide physically. So back in Exodus, verse 8. And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening, meat to eat, and in the morning, bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, and you grumble against him. What are we? In other words, like, why do you grumble against me? I can't fix it. You're grumbling against God. He says, your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Verse 9, then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. I want to give you a note, just as we work through this, just let's start to define some things that, that we do, that we get caught up in, grumbling. The church today often has the same response as the Israelites, grumbling, which is defined as complaining in a bad-tempered way. This ignores God's past provision 
and makes us ungrateful for what God has done. Let's go back to the Israelites. As they have been delivered from slavery, right? They've been overcome, uh, they've over, God has overcome Pharaoh on their behalf. They've left loaded with cattle and herds and gold and silver and jewelry, right? They've been provided for there. They get out into the wilderness and then up against the Red Sea and, and Pharaoh's army comes after them. And God defeats Pharaoh's army, gets them through the sea on dry ground, literally parting the sea for them, miraculously providing for them. Remember, there's a covering of cloud in the daytime. Consider out in the desert in the heat. That's a really good thing. And at night, there's this pillar of fire leading them. There's light in the night as they go. And then they get across the Red Sea, and, and there's no water. They're, the water is bitter, and they can't drink it, and so God provides for them. And then God leads them to a campground that has plenty. And now they get out here, and God says, listen, I will provide for you. But all along, each thing, as each hardship comes up, as each struggle presents themselves, instead of saying, God has always provided, let's just pray. Well, let's not even worry about it. God's got this. Instead, they grumble. And we grumble. When coronavirus hits or when all these problems hit or whenever, we grumble. We complain with that bad temper and often even to people that can't fix it, right? And, and so here we are in the midst of this and the challenge for us, like Israel, is do we not see what God has always done for us, how God always provides for us and cares for us? Can we not learn to depend on that and not grumble but wait patiently on God? Verse 10, it says, and as soon as Aaron spoke, the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. I said this earlier, but let me give this to you written down. This is in your app, or we'll put this on the screen. Glory. To give God glory is to honor God for who he is and what he has done. It requires that we know him and see him and proclaim his works. We seek to worship God together as a church. We sing songs, we pray prayers, we declare what God does, we open God's word, all of that a part of worship, all of it ascribing glory to God. You'll never hear us get up here and say, oh, we as a church are so great, or me as a leader, or you as a whatever, right? We're not going to do that. It's not us, right? We give God glory. We don't have five simple steps to a better marriage. We have God, right? We don't, we don't have, let me fix this problem. We have Jesus who fixes all the problems. And so what we do is we glory in God. We worship God. We always point to God. That's what we have, and that's what we believe, and that's who we trust in. We give God glory. Verse 11, and the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. Now, this quail, imagine like kind of Old Testament divine Uber Eats, right? So here comes quail, chicken, like bird, right? They have this, this meat that is landing there in camp for them, right? And then God says, listen, I, I have heard you. I'm, to, I'm, I'm going to provide for you, and you will know it's me. And so really delivered right to their, I guess, tent door, I would say, quail. They have meat delivered to them by God. Verse 14, and when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. So as promised, God provides meat. As promised, God provides bread. He literally rains this down. This moisture in the air gathers on the ground like, like we see in the mornings, a dew on the ground. 
And as it starts to kind of crystallize and form, it becomes bread, a bread they will call or name manna. And so this is what they are given, and they are to collect it for each person just for one day. And then, of course, right before the Sabbath, they will collect for two days. Verse 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that you have in your tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. Everyone who gathers has enough. Everyone who gathers really ends up with the same, and they don't need any more, they don't need any less, and they have plenty. When God shows up and God provides, everybody gets what everybody needs. So provision, that's our, that's our theme today, God's provision. So here's a note for you. God provides for his own and supplies all their needs. Trusting in the provision of God requires that we discipline ourselves to take our needs to God and not to anyone else, including ourselves, right? Not we don't take our problems to anyone else. We take our problems to God. Now, collectively as a church, we can come together and say, God, here, here's what we need or, or in our homes and our families. And we gather up and we pray, God, here is what our need, right? God teaches us in our prayers to, to bring our desires, bring our needs to him. But what we're doing here is we're talking about skipping the complaining part. Skipping the part where we grumble or we go to leaders or we go to government or we go to whatever. Like, we just... It's not us trying to find our supply from the world we live in, but from the God who created the world we live in. It's us skipping the, oh, I got to complain, I got to look, I got to try, I got to work, I got to do, I got to blame somebody else or, or get it from somebody else or do this. It's us saying, God, I, I have a need. God, I need this. It's food. They really need food to live. Going to God, trusting in God's provision. Verse 19 and Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over until the morning. Remember God said, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to test them to see if they'll obey me. Here's God testing them. Let no one leave any of it over until the morning, right? Provision, again, I want, I want to take this a little further. So here's a note on your screen. God's provision has the requirement of obedience. We are either obedient to God and allow him to be our provider, or we choose to be our own providers and do things our way. We don't get to choose both, right? Either we go our way and do things our way and we don't ask God to provide or God says, bring everything to me and then trust me and obey me. You, you do what I say, I will be your provision, right? Come to me, trust me, do what I call you to do. I will provide for you. But you don't get to trust in God's provision and do what you want, right? You don't get to seek your own thing and then expect God provides. Provision requires obedience, Verse 20, it says, but they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Stank. I looked this up after a week or two ago. After stank, I saw stank again in Exodus. I think it's a funny word. It's written only three times of the Bible in all of the Bible. Three times the word stank. We've read them all of them. They're all in Exodus. I have no point to make there. I just found that funny. So verse 21, Morning by morning, they gathered it as much as they could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. So in the morning, they had manna. But imagine by noon, it was gone. Kind of like you get your paycheck on Friday, and if you're not careful, Monday, you're empty, right? This was a, I'm going to provide for you in the morning, 
but it's not going to be there all day. And if you take too much, it'll spoil. And if you take too little, you'll have enough, but it won't be outside. So if you don't go out and gather in the morning, you won't have any. And if you go back to gather, it will be gone. And if you gather too much, it'll spoil. You only get what you need. God says, I know what you need. I will provide for you. But the obedience part, the test part, can we trust him that if we just take what we need today, it'll be there tomorrow? That God will show up again tomorrow. Verse 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, as, uh, as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. All that is left over lay aside will be kept till morning. So they laid it aside to the morning as Moses had commanded them, and it did not stink. And there were no worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you will gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. Right? So on the Sabbath, the rules change. Right? On the Sabbath, is what God has called them to do is rest, to celebrate their faith, to practice their faith, to rest in God, to be with their family, to be with their church family, to be with their people. Right? And so the values here are not gathering and not gathering, the values here are obedience, right? Can you obey me here and trust me now for a couple days? Can you, can you obey me today and trust me for tomorrow? When we get to the sixth day, can you trust me for two days? And can you do all that you do in six and rest on one day? Enjoy me for one day, trusting that I will provide for you. If you obey, you have an, enough. If you don't, you stink or stank, whatever it is, right? Verse 27, on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? I reread this a few times as I was preparing for this. And I, I saw this on the seventh day, some people went out to gather. They hadn't gathered for two days, and so they were without. And they go out on the Sabbath, and there's nothing there for them, as God had said, right? And so they, they have nothing to do. And the Lord says to Moses, now not the people God goes to Moses and he says, Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? I thought about this disobedience and, and this question like, well, whose fault is this? Is, whose fault is this, right? And, and with leadership, there's a shared responsibility, right? The, the people of God look up to Moses, right? When you, you sign up to be a pastor, you know, like you're expected to live distinctly that people can follow you, right? Not perfectly, and, and you, following you, me, anybody should be pointing to Jesus, right? As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. But there's that expectation that we're pointing them to Jesus. And so God goes to Moses and says, how long will you not listen to me? How long will you disobey? So parents, community group leaders, youth leaders, teachers, uh, you know, business owners, your leaders... People look to you, and especially as Christian leaders, whether that means leaders in the church or Christian business leaders, whatever that might be, people expect to learn about God through us. And there's a responsibility there. There is an accountability there. And I love that actually in this, it took me a bit to wrestle through this, but I love that God goes to Moses and he looks to Moses. It, Moses, your job was to teach them how to have food today. They're going hungry and Moses, it's because you haven't taught them. There's an accountability and leadership here. Verse 29, see the Lord has given you a Sabbath, therefore on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days, 
Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. They learn obedience here through failure. In this case, they learn obedience through hunger. You can imagine the next week as it gets to the sixth day, they're going to remember, hey, gather two portions up, right? Sometimes we learn best through making mistakes. It'd be better if we learned just by hearing, right? But sometimes, I know I am personally am hard-headed and I learn slow. And I learn, you make that mistake, you touch the fire and get burned, you don't want to do that again. And that's what happens here. They learn through this. I want to back up to Sabbath, though, and we'll put this on the screen. This is in your app. God's provision for rest. God's creation mandate, what I mean by that is God makes this command in creation before sin. It's a creation mandate before sin breaks the world, if you will. So God's creation mandate is to do our work, or if you go to school, whatever it is, in six days and rest by faith in one day a week. Those who are too busy and choose to ignore God at their own peril risk loss of his provision and care. Provision requires obedience. We've said this already. Provision requires obedience. Sabbath is also a command of God, right? That you would take and trust God that you can accomplish what you need to in our busy, crazy lives, even though we have lots of restrictions on us right now. However, we're still busy in six days, whether it be school or work or multiple jobs or multiple schools or whatever you might be doing, right? But so many people, I talk to so many Christians that ignore this, that don't take a day a day to worship, a day to be with family, a day to rest, a day to celebrate their faith, to rest in their faith. And they do so at their own peril because they're, they're, listen, they're not listening to what God has taught us, what is good for us, and what was even required of us before sin entered and broke things more. And so we do that at our own peril. Provision requires obedience, right? If we want to continue for God to provide for us, be that financially or whatever, vocationally, school, educationally, whatever it might be, then learn to do that in six days and rest and be with your family and be with God, be with your community of faith if that's possible, right? Trust in God. Sabbath is a part of our provision. Verse 31, now the house of Israel called its name manna, so they called the bread manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. And as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. Here's what happened. God makes a a, a covenant or a plan or, or calls them to make a deal with him. Like, here's a way I want you to be obedient, right? I want you to take an omer or a, a jar of this manna and the manna, you know, that spoils within 24 hours unless it's the Sabbath, right? I want you to take that, I want you to put it in a jar and I want you to keep it forever. You're going to put it in the Ark of the Covenant, right? You're going to do this so that you remember God's provision, and yet somehow this will not spoil, this will remain. And you will do this throughout your generations. Now, this is not a creation mandate. This is not a covenant with us. This is with the people of God that have been delivered out of Israel. And so this was one of three things that was put in the Ark of the Covenant. That they would remember what God had done for them. It's, it's, it's that hallmark of remembering what God has done for us. How we kind of remind ourselves or we set up a reminder of something that we might remember God's provision when we need to remember it. So a jar of manna went into the ark of God. Verse 35, 
The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years until they came to a habitable land. So they had the meat, they had manna, they had other things happen, right? But they ate the manna for 40 years until they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Verse 36, an omer is the tenth part of an ephah. So if you were sitting there at home not, not knowing what an omer is, it's a tenth part of an ephah. Now, that probably clears everything up for you. Uh, so here's what we do. The author zooms out and says, hey, they do this for 40 years. They have this reminder, but they have God's provision for 40 years, right? I have no idea what an omer or an ephah looks like. But they get this, and so they save this thing, and they put it in the Ark of the Covenant to remind them that for years, 40 years, for decades, God has provided for them day in, day out, without fail. As long as they're obedient, God provides. Exodus 17 says, all the congreg- verse 1, all the congregation of Israel moved on from the wilderness of Sinai by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink, Do you want to guess where this is going to head to? What do you think the people will respond with? Ready? Verse 2. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted for water, and the people, listen, grumbled. The people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? They've gone from where there are not enough graves in Egypt Why couldn't we just stay where we were so happy? Um, You were slaves and wanted out, right? Then they get out here and like, what? why can't we go back to Egypt where we had pots full of meat and lots of bread? Yeah, remember the whole slavery thing that you wanted out of, right? Now God has done all this, miraculously, amazingly, had his provision over them. Day after day, day in, day out, has given them water, has cared for them, has literally moved them through a massive sea and killed the army, chasing them by drowning them while preserving them. And yet, with each step as they go, they run into a problem, and they grumble, they complain, they quarrel. We've got to hear this, and we've got to know that's us too. People are people. Humans have the same problems all the time, right? Why God? Us? Why us? What, why this? Every week. Because we're human, we're flawed, and we forget how God, good God is. We have a little stretch of something where we are in need of something and we forget how good God is. Maybe we need those jars of manna and are just kind of in front of us all the time. Maybe we need something to remind us of God's goodness, but we struggle with this. In coronavirus, we have struggled this. In church, especially, the, the lack of ability to be able to get together, to, to hug, to meet, to sing, to, to meet in person instead of on screens is just It's been a cause of grumbling. I've grumbled. You've probably grumbled. It's because we take our eyes off of God's provision. Verse 4, So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel. So there you go. There's a, a job of the elders is to really protect me from getting stoned when the people get all riled up, right? He says, go before them, bring the elders, being trusted leaders, go before them. He says, and take in your hand the staff in which you struck the Nile and go. Verse 6, behold, I will stand before you there at the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. God literally brings water from a rock as Moses strikes the rock. And, and this 
Remember again what we said after we talked about Jesus, our Savior, our salvation, God in human flesh. Remember, he says, the bread that came down from heaven, that's me. He says, and whoever eats of my bread will never hunger again. And whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst again. Here we are, the rock pointing forward to our rock, Jesus, who waters us, feeds us, cares for us, and eternally rescues us from ourselves. What does God do in this moment? God does what, does what he always does. God provides for his people. Verse 7, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? So what are we reminded of about ourselves? And I, I would just say this, it's that we are always broken and doubting in God, that our tendency and our fallenness and our sin and our humanness is to not remember how, God, how good God has been, but rather than to be, uh, have a short memory and then to doubt and complain and grumble, whether that be in our marriage or in coronavirus as the example I've been using, or in our workplace or in our family. Or in, when we just run out of being comfortable or, or, or being su supplied for our needs, being cared for, we tend to grumble, we tend to complain Rather than reminding ourselves God is always faithful, God has always been faithful. I want to give you some application, just kind of button up this idea. We've talked about grumbling and, and, and moving from grumbling, right, to, to obedience, to, to that gathering, right, to that place where we are doing what God has called us to do, and then to glory, to that we will glorify God, that we go from this place to that place. We, we move from a place where we are grumbling, complaining, and, and not trusting God, and then we become an obedient gatherer of manna, a, a collector of the, uh, of the quail, or the you know, collector of the water coming from the rock. We go from this place of sin and complaining and, and, and brokenness to a place of obedience, to a place of glorifying God. How how do we get from here to there if that, is a, if that is a trajectory for us or if that's a desire of our hearts? How do we get there? And so I want to give you just a few things. We'll put these on your screen or in your app. One, apart from Christ, we are spiritually in a desert. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus will teach us that our salvation is found in him. The gospel isn't something that introduces us to Jesus and then we go on in good works. The gospel is the very thing that not only rescues us from our sin, but strengthens us for the day and assures us of a future. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, right? The very breath I breathe is given to me because Jesus is my savior. The very reason the world still spins on X axis is because God has allowed it so. So in our faith, in, in our salvation, in our provision, we can do nothing apart from Christ. And when we do, we find ourselves back in this place of grumbling. So how do we get out of it? We remember that God is good. We remember that Jesus is our everything. Number two, we cannot fix our situation on our own. Genesis 3 tells the story of humanity's first sin and fallenness into sin. Right? And, and here's what happens on the heels of sin Adam and Eve realize they're naked, and all of a sudden, for the first time, there's no innocence. They're ashamed, and it says this, the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They cover their own shame, their efforts to cover their sin, their shame, their nakedness. Their, they, they do this in their own efforts. 
What happens is God calls out to them and God meets with them and God speaks with them and then God provides his provision. He provides a way through this, but here's what he has to do. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and he clothed them. Here's what we need to see from this, that our efforts can't fix it. That on our own, we can't fix our sin problem. We can't provide for our lives. We can't be for our families all we need to be for our families. We can't endure coronavirus. We won't survive the politics or the racial tension or any of that apart from Christ. Because we can't fix it. We learn that we need Jesus, then we realize we can't do it. And what we do is we lean into God's provision. May God provide for us a covering. He strips us of our efforts and then God provides. Number three, God has provided all we need through Christ. James 1 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This verse gets thrown around like a bumper sticker or a Twitter solution, if you will, sometimes. But what is being said by James is powerful. When we encounter hardship, what happens is exactly what we're talking about in Exodus. God reveals himself. God shows up. Jesus provides for us. So find joy in this moment awaiting the solution because you know that that produces steadfastness, right? That you, your character will be built up. Your faith will be built up. Let its steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You want all that God has for you. You patiently wait on God to provide. Number four, trusting in God requires obedience. We've said this a lot. Acts 2.38, when the people in Jerusalem, after Peter preaches this message right after Pentecost, they cry out, what do we do? What must we do to be saved? And Peter says this. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You obey, right? You, uh, if for those who are in Christ, uh, we obey. That's our job, and God provides. You repent and be baptized. You become obedient, and I will give you forgiveness of sins and empower you with the Holy Spirit. Our job, always go back to obeying. Always come back to being obedient to God and allow Him the space where He desires to provide for us. Finally, I'm going I'm to put this verse. I, wanna, I said this earlier. Matthew 6 is the Lord's Prayer. Jesus, the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, teach us to pray, and He says this, our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He says, give us this day what we need today, our daily bread, hearkening all the way back to the Exodus where God provided day in, day out, just enough, always on time, the right amount. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive those as we have also forgiven our debtors or those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. God, guide us through this. May that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, remind you that God provides daily. It's never too much. It's never not enough. It's never late. It's not often early. But it is always right on time and perfect. Provision from God requires our obedience. Let us walk in obedience to God. Generations Church, I love you. Let me pray for you. God, in fact, I, I, let me say that differently. Let me pray for us. God, we need your provision. We also need all of us to be more obedient. We need to recognize, God, that you are our supply, that Jesus is our everything.
that we can't fix these problems. We can never vote in the right solution. Jesus, you're our savior. You're our solution. So you must strip us of our efforts. You must bring then your solution to the table, and you have done so time and time again. Let us turn to that. Let us be obedient to that. Let us flourish in your provision. Let us enjoy your provision. Let us even take joy on the path towards your provision. God, let us learn to trust in you for our daily bread, day in, day out, that we might become complete in you. We will never be perfect. We will never be sinless. We will never be the perfect Christian, the perfect follower of Jesus. But let us become more and more like you, Jesus, until the day when you perfect us and we stand with you in heaven. Let us reflect you to the rest of the world here as long as we're here, in good seasons and in hard seasons. Jesus, give us that strength in in your name. Amen.